fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, It fly and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and we have a very special episode because we are joined by some guests. First, let me introduce the normal casting characters, the regulars around here. Chris Emerson. Chris, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Let's uh, get ready for this lottery. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we're also joined by Jared Good. Jared, how we doing? Uh, good as always. It's really it's really cool to uh, be with some faces that that I know and have gotten to know over the years personally. Uh, really cool to have you guys come hang out with us for an hour this week. So really excited for this one. Absolutely. And those faces he was talking about. Let's start with Donifer Shrump. Donifer, how you doing? Doing good. Just happy to be back on. Talk basketball with a bunch of great guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we have had Donovan on before. He was great the first time we had him, so we just had to have him back. And we are joined all the way from Memphis, Tennessee, Timothy Hunt. Timothy, how you doing? North Carolina. I'm actually, actually from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Oh, sorry, yeah, my bad. Close. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's really surreal for me. Uh, I joined the True Fans like three, four years ago, and uh, I've you know, as y'all know, with anything I've fallen in love with, whether it's Jeff Teague or Wake Forest, I've become obsessed. And uh, it's <laughs> kind of surreal to be uh, here talking to you guys. You know, you guys have all been Timberwolves fans for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I love the team, too. So, uh, you know, happy to be here. Absolutely. And last but certainly not least, we are joined by Matt Prisbilla. Matt, how are we doing? Great, great, Gabe. Um it's an absolute honor to be here with you guys. Can't wait to talk some Wolves basketball and and um, be here with you guys. So thanks for Absolutely. having me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris, uh, earlier in the week, um, came up to me or not came up to me, but messaged me, said, it's the end of the year. We should have a mega podcast. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So, so absolute so honor might do. be a little bit of a stretch. Absolutely. You guys sure. are the best in the business. Best in the business for sure. I hope so. That that's what we're going for. At least top ten. At least top ten. <laughs> oh, easy. Uh, easy. Uh, of people talking about the wolves. So uh so let's just get into this. Let's kind of let's get into it. Um I know Donover for sure want to talk about that, and other um uh, others can talk about this. So the Timberwolves, in fact, uh just just, just to kind of build a groundwork of where when we're recording this, we're recording this during the uh, last game of the season. The Wolves are right now up 102 to 85 on the Mavericks. So basically what I'm saying is the Wolves have basically decided not to tank this season, and they played it out strong. And so, Donover, I know you wanted to talk about this. What are some of like the pros and cons you see of tanking, and do you agree of the idea that the Wolves – we're deciding to build chemistry instead of of tanking down the stretch. What, what did you see from that? 
it's such a tough one because we had to come into this offseason getting enough data points to see if Cat, D'Lo, and Ant could all work together. Up until this point, it's all been a hypothetical. They've played – I mean, everybody knows the narrative coming into when D'Lo – coming back from injury they'd played what 10 15 games together if that so we, we had to see that what they had together and seeing how the other players play around them to see how we can gel it all together um obviously the biggest con here is we lose our 40 percent chance and we're what probably down to 29 to 27 percent um i mean that that's just huge especially because we're i think a lot of us think that we have a chance to be a playoff team next year. So there's not going to be very many chances to add a young, talented player like that or taking that pick, pairing it with Beasley or Rubio and flipping it. Mm-hmm. Chris, you got some? Yeah, I mean, like Donovan said, I mean, this might be the last chance that we have at a top five-ish pick, or hopefully it's the last chance we have at a pick that that high for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years. So – you know, it, it's huge to get that pick, but one of the things that I've seen that I thought was the best line about it is, you know, instead of working on development and, you know, building a brand of winning and building the the cohesiveness of winning with, you know, your young players, what if we tanked, showed, you know, kind of told the players, you know, it's not that important to win, you know, we, we need to build on talent and still lost the pick because we had a 60% chance of losing it. Um, It's not like the NFL draft where tanking is, you know, a lot more profitable because it's an instant thing. But if we would have lost the pick or if we still would lose a pick and kind of throw it away, like throw away the development of Edwards and, you know, showing him the win now, win at all costs kind of attitude that, I mean, a couple games ago he was – the guy leading us in the fourth quarter. Like he was the guy bringing the energy when we could have easily been tanking. So, I mean, right now it looks like we're probably going to be about a 27.6% chance of keeping our top three. That's a lot less than 40, but um, you know, each of the last two years when this process has been going, the seventh and eighth got eighth seeded team has moved up. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, I, I saw a stat since 2015, seven teams outside of the bottom three have moved in the top three of the draft. So it's definitely happened. I mean, you look at guys like, heck, I mean, Zion, um, LaMelo from last year going to the Hornets. Uh, Jared, you had something? Yeah, so I think I was just going to say, you know, like where it gets, where it gets goofy for me is is 45% is, is still kind of like an anomaly in a way. Like it's under 50%. Um, so I think that's where it gets kind of murky for me. Like what's the difference? Like no matter what the, what way you look at it, we were going to have to get a little bit semi-lucky compared to a mathematics standpoint. So I think that's where it gets kind of goofy for me because like I feel like this team in the past two weeks has gained a lot of confidence moving towards next season, which, which I think can go a long way when looking at next season. Um, but no matter which way you look at it, whether we tanked or whether we didn't, it was still going to be an anomaly for us to get this pick. Um, either way, the ping pong balls are going to have to fall in the right way for us to eventually get this pick, whether it's it's 40% or 42% or 45% or now what we're looking at about 27%. Um, at the end of the day, we're still going to have to get lucky, which is which is kind of why I agreed with, with the uh, – with the uh, non-tanking version of it. Uh, originally, I was kind of in the, 
the model of saying, well, if you want to improve your percentage chance points, this is the way to do it. But at the end of the day, we were still going to have to get lucky. So um, I was kind of, I was kind of happy with what we did. And I think that the uh, confidence that the team gained over the past two weeks going forward is going to go a long way. Mm-hmm. And Oh, uh, let, let's go to you, Matt. What, what do you think? Do you like that the Wolves decided not to tank? Or or what, what do you think on that? I think the right move was probably to tank. Um, you look at the KG era. Um, we never had anybody to run with KG. Aside from Wally, we were always wanting KG to have a running mate. Um, and I just I worry about Anthony Edwards not having a running mate especially since he is five years younger than Towns. We're not quite sure what Towns is going to do for the long term. Um, so I think if we could land a Cade Cunningham, you know, Mobley, um, Suggs from Gonzaga, I think that would be very valuable going forward for this franchise. That being said, you know, even if we did tank, the best chance we had was only 40%. So either way, mm-hmm. the odds were against us. I do think that it is, you know, nice to carry some momentum in the next season. And I think that that could go a long ways, especially for wanting to keep people here and, and keep some positivity around the franchise. And, and it's nice to see the uh, camaraderie building between the guys. So I see mm-hmm. the pros and the cons of it. And we still have a 27% chance. So, you know, cross our fingers and hope for the best. Uh, t- Tim, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was part of the pro tanking crowd for a while there, but the past after the Detroit and Orlando games, I'm just kind of like, you know, it, it, whatever happens, happens. Uh, Edwards has stepped up, and like I was a doomer for the longest time uh, about this team, but Edwards has just really. Man, I'm 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 a believer, and uh, you know we still have somewhat of a chance to you know get lucky. If not, uh, it, it's gonna hurt not to have any pick in the draft this year. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know it, the cards are gonna fall where they may. Chris, you had some to add? Yeah, I want to point out I've been historically a tank guy. I've been the guy that's like, if you don't have a roster that can. That, that you foresee competing for a championship, it's more valuable for you to be, you know, drafting high every single year. So, I mean, that's been my my feeling. But, you know, like this year, if we get that top three pick, we're, 10, we're an extra $10 million over the luxury tax. So we're going to have to figure out how to move some pieces around for that. Um, if we get that top three pick, you know, it means next year's pick is gone, which isn't bad. But then that means the year after that, we also can't trade because you can't trade two consecutive picks. So it just kind of messes up stuff. So, yeah, I mean, like Tim said, it's kind of like let the calls, cards fall where they may at this point. And um, with Edwards being 19 and still like a joy of the game kind of like okay. innocence to him, I really thought that for him specifically getting the idea of tanking even remotely in his head, like I don't know how much it trickles down to the players. Obviously it's mainly the organization that does the tanking, but it trickles down and I'm glad that none of that is going to be in his head anywhere. Mm -hmm. 
And some somewhere that I wanted to go next, talking about the pick. Let's say the timber. Let, let's say, and I know we've talked about that in the in the, this in the past, but I want to get the other guys' uh, opinion on this. Let's say the Wolves somehow get the number one pick in the draft. Let's say who who do you want? Do you want Mobley? Do you want Cunningham or do you want Suggs? And, and we'll 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 all answer this one. Uh, Matt, why don't you go first? You could have a pick of anyone in the draft. Who do you think fits best with this team? I'm taking Cade Cunningham. I just think the size uh, and the passing and the shooting, I just see a really high ceiling. Um, Jared is always pointing out that Suggs can't shoot the three ball too well. Um, and I totally agree. We need we need somebody with a higher ceiling. You know, I'd rather swing for the home run, and I think Cunningham is the home run. Um, but I do like Mobley, too, and he's a better positional fit for our roster. Um, you know, I think him and Cat could do some pretty serious damage down low. Um, so overall, I definitely think it goes Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs for me. Okay. What do you, what do you think, Tim? What do you, what do you think? Who would you go with? I swear, me and Matt butt heads more than anybody else in the group, but absolutely I, two for two, two for two. I agree a hundred percent. I'm going, I'm going Cade number one, and but I, I really do like Mobley too, just for the positional needs. Mm-hmm. Donovan, what do you think? Uh, last time I came on the pod, I believe I said Cade Cunningham. Chris opened my eyes. I'm on, I'm on the Evan Mobley train. We have enough playmakers that can handle the ball i think evan mobley's long he's going to create a lot of defensive mismatches and he can really help cat out and then we can slide jada mcdaniels to the three where he's just an absolute matchup nightmare Mm -hmm. jared i know we've talked about this before and before we go to chris which i know what he's going to say uh but uh jared who who would you go with so my stance has kind of changed a little bit on this um within the past probably three podcasts that we've done together I'm more in the big game hunting mode um, with with us getting this pick. Um, I think you can tie this pick, possibly a Rubio, this pick, and maybe even Beasley and go big game hunting. And I still think that if for whatever reason the Sixers don't make it past the second or third round, um, this is something we've talked about, but I still have Ben Simmons playing the power forward as a possibility for the Timberwolves um, coming up just because like, like Chris has talked about it many times and Chris has got a great GM mind, which is something that I don't have, which is always really, really nice to have when, when some people understand things and some, some don't, but um, moving the Rubio money plus the pick that you wouldn't have to sign. Um, I think that that makes sense to, to make the dollars and cents work to, to go big game hunting um, for a potential, what well, we'd be looking at like a fourth star now, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with, with, with the, uh, the draft, but a lot of the, a lot of pieces have to fall in place. And I also think this is something that Rosas has his mind on uh, going forward as well. It's going to be a fun off season. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. And Chris, tell, tell us why you'd take Mobley. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, I don't know. I don't know if Rosas is going to want to bring in another 19, 20 year old kid, but, but just, if we do, um, I think Mobley, not only do I think he's the best fit, I think he's – I don't like Cade Cunningham. I think that he's all hype. I think he's all – I think he's hype like 
you know, Jeremy Lin was hype in New York when ESPN was fired up about him. Like they find a guy and they just ride him. Um, I've watched, I mean, I can't say I watched a ton of his games. I watched maybe three of his games, four of his games, and he seems to coast. Um, he seems to not have that killer instinct. He seems to, um, maybe he's just so good that he was bored. That very well could be it because it looked like that. It also, I remember the very first time I watched Andrew Wiggins play um, in Kansas. Um, it was the first game, probably the first game that was televised. And by halftime, I thought, holy cow, this giant center they have is a stud. Like, I didn't even pay attention to Wiggins because he was just kind of floating and not doing much. And it was Joel Embiid, who was a lesser known prospect at that point, um, that got my attention. And Kate Cunningham was the same way. Like, I kept on looking for his number and trying to find him because he wasn't exciting me just naturally. Mm -hmm. um, Suggs, um, it might be just that he's got, you know, the short arms and kind of looks like Kobe White. Maybe, the, I mean, that's one reason why I think I hated Kobe White coming out is he just looks kind of like a turtle. Um, Suggs has a little bit of that to him himself. And when you're not explosive or fast, um, them little turtle arms are going to make it tough to finish at the rim. Um, so I don't know how Suggs – I mean, I don't see Suggs as a great fit, you know, anyways. So it comes down to Mobley. And you give me Jaden McDaniels and, like, a rich version of Jaden McDaniels, which would be Mobley, um, yeah, I'll play them with our three scores. I'll go D'Lo, Edwards, Jaden, Mobley, and Cat, and let's play ball. Like, mm -hmm. in, in a perfect world, Mobley isn't the best guy, so he doesn't command a max contract after his rookie year, and we can lock him in for – you know, a reasonable deal so we can keep the whole band together. I mean, that's the way I would do it. But, I mean, we got to get that pick first. Jared, you got some? Yeah, so I watched quite a bit of college basketball this season, and I was kind of like you, Chris, when, when talking about Cade Cunningham, probably like for the first half of the season. But there was a six-game stretch where I thought Oklahoma State was the best team in the entire country. Uh, I think they had just got done – I can't remember their exact schedule, but they just came out beating like Baylor, they beat Kansas, and I think they beat like Texas or something like that, like almost three-quarters of the way through the season. And I was like, this kid might be a little bit more dangerous than I want to believe, you know. Um, he's pretty talented, but then but then again, you know, like like Matt was saying, and 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 you know, obviously Chris has been saying this for as well as well, but Mobley fits what we need. Um, and I think that that is the biggest talking point. Um, you know, sometimes when in drafts you talk about getting um the best player on the board, um Mobley's not going to be the best player on the board at number one if we were to get that selection. But if we were to get to two or three, I think we could easily be in the uh, in the Mobley in the Mobley set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, talking about Cunningham because definitely when I watched him, there were definitely games where he would just kind of disappear and, like you were saying, not really do that much uh, out on the floor. And like you said, not really. A killer in instinct, and that's why I think if the Wolves do get the number one pick, they're almost going to be forced into taking Cade Cunningham because I think the majority of the fans and the organization would go nuts 
if you like if you don't take the main guy or the guy that everyone's touting. Uh, last year they had the number one pick, but the, and people were in love with or liked Lamelo, but there wasn't necessarily as much hype for Lamelo um, being a pro star. Maybe not, maybe not hype in uh, in sense of like media coverage because obviously the ball family gets media coverage but um right. yeah so so yeah so i i don't know i feel like if they get one i think they're gonna go cunningham but i would love if they got moldy as well Suggs, i'm not sold on Suggs. I, i'm really not um i mean he hit that big big shot in the final four but i don't know i i think gonzaga's success was more about the team around him than him necessarily um, but so let's let's take a look at kind of the year, um, uh, the the year that was for the Timberwolves. Um, and l- let's go with this: looking at, at the whole year a- as a, as a cohesive unit. What was what was who was one player? And, and you guys can say the same one. Who was one player that really impressed you this year, or you thought really made strides this year? And and we'll start with you, Matt. Who was one player on the Wolves that really impressed you this year? this might be a boring answer, but I think Edwards, I mean, he just has to be the answer because I'll be honest. I was, I was really losing hope in this franchise. You know, I didn't think Kat and D'Angelo Russell could lead us to where we need to go, but Edwards being as good as he is and adding that entertainment value with his dunking and, you know, just being the anti-Wiggins, you know, with the charisma and the swag. Um, he is exactly what we needed. He's so much fun to watch. Every mm-hmm. time I turn the TV on, that's who I'm looking for. I I'll, I mean, when he's in the game, it's just a totally different game. And I think going forward, we have a lot to be excited about with him. And, you know, it's just huge that he's, He's giving us some hope, so that mm-hmm. is definitely my answer. All right, uh, Donover, what do you think? Who uh, who's impressed you this year? And it can be Edwards, but you can name a couple people as well. But who who has really stuck out in your mind? Uh, I gotta go either Jaden McDaniels, just because all the immaturity issues that we were hearing about coming in pre-draft. I mean, he got like twelve technicals at Washington. They said he's a hothead, and he's just came in and been really a good defensive glue guy for us. So love Jaden. I got to go with my boy Nas. Just the strides he's taken in his game and especially how he's got his body looking now. I mean, he could barely jump before. Now he's dunking on people almost every game. Really good in the post. Getting better as a rim defender. Great contract. I mean, Nas reads my guy, so I got to go him. Right. And I'm, I'm sure you took Chris's answer. But, uh, <laughs> feel free to talk about him when we get to you. Uh, Tim, Tim, what do you, what do you think? Or who has impressed yeah. you this year? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously Edwards has been phenomenal. Uh, I really – I love Nas. He's, he's great. Um, but Jaden in particular has been really fun to watch um, and just see his growth. I can't remember the exact game it was, but there was one game where, uh, you know, Towns was being a little Towns-like and, uh, you know, arguing with the refs and letting the refs get in his head. And Jaden actually pulled him to the side and was like, hey, come on, man, let's get to work. And, like, told him to get back on defense. And just having your, you know, rookie 
who was drafted in the second round say that like that that to me I was just like all right this this kid this kid's got it and uh and he understands and then I'd say <laughs> I I know Matt's gonna uh, laugh about this but Rubio for a period of time there and just his mentorship with Edwards I think has really been yeah even if he even if we get rid of him this year I think right. it's it's been very valuable to have him here this year Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jared, who, who's your guy? Well, my original answer would be Edwards, just because I think he's the, the it factor and he has all this and that. But since since a lot of people are, are talking about him and pretty much as a group, we're talking how good Anthony Edwards is. I'm going to give you somebody that's a little bit off the radar uh, and a guy that, that I talked about for one reason and one reason only, um, multiple podcasts, and that is uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Dude plays defense. He hustles off the bench. Mm-hmm. The Timberwolves as a whole do not play defense, and that, that's been an ongoing issue. If there's one player that's on the floor and what does he do play defense, I'm going to be a fan of that. Um, so, so growing Jared Vanderbilt's game a little bit was kind of impressive for me. Um, because we got him for pretty much nothing as part of, I think it was a part of the D'Lo trade, but um, we got him for, for fairly cheap and the guy plays extremely hard off the bench um, and moving forward as, as a winning team, which we expect to be uh, next year. I think all of us in the room agreed, agreed to that, but we need somebody to play defense. And if it's not going to be Josh Okogie, I think it's going to be a guy like Jared Vanderbilt. So he's, he's somebody that like under the radar has, has kind of gotten my, my eyes uh, kind of glued towards him in a way. Mm-hmm. And Chris, why is, uh, how great is Nas? <laughs> <laughs> Nas is great, but, um, and he's better than Wiseman. Like I said, what week two of this podcast? You did, <laughs> um, you did say that week two. We can but, go back. We can show you the tape. Let's not let's not get into the details. Um, you know, Nas Nas is is what he is. Like I kind of truthfully, it sounds stupid. I kind of expected him to be that, like just really solid at everything. It's Jaden that has blown my mind. Um, cause I, I like to really try to like I scout the draft pretty, pretty hard. And um when I started looking at him, I, I almost brushed by him because he looked like he was only offense and had about a zero basketball IQ. Like he reminded me of like Thon Maker type player. Like this guy's going to be junk. Um, and like you, like Donovan said, is a hothead. Like he was always losing his cool and just all over the place. And then he comes in and he's like a 100% different player. Like he comes in and he's, he looks like he has a, you know, top of the chart basketball IQ, like very rarely taking a bad shot, very rarely even taking a dribble when he doesn't need to. Um, I mean, just efficient, you know, almost like Clay Thompson-esque. You get the ball, he shoots it. No wasted movement, no wasted anything. And then on defense, locking up everybody from Doncic to – you know, sliding down and bodying up centers. Like, he's going to be maybe the, one of the most important people on the Timberwolves just because of his versatility. And if he can, well, I guess I'm going to assume he's going to get better, you know, even if it's incrementally. Even if he doesn't get that much better, which is crazy to say, he's a huge valuable piece even as as is if he just continues like he was. So mm-hmm. this kid's going to be great. Um and in the last five or six games, 
I've really been seeing him not just being the you know the catch and shoot three point guy, but putting it on the putting it on the floor, driving um, straight line drives. You know, a couple times he 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 drove in and then did a little step back jumper, like just stuff that he was not doing. So, and then let's not get into the contract. I mean, he's basically free for the next like four years. So, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. I'm really excited for him. Tim, you had some dad. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure it was the uh, the big poster against the Raptors that Edwards did. But if you guys remember the, um, I, I think it will forever be like immortalized uh, the with Nas, Jaden, and Edwards standing over him, staring down. I mean, I think that's that's our future right there. Those three guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. especially because two of those guys are signed for like three or four years at a total of like three million a year. Like, yep. if you, if we're gonna go big game hunting, like Rosas says he is, and we're gonna get two or three max guys, you need guys that are on two million dollar contracts that are playing like ten million dollar guys. I mean, that's the only way that you can hold a roster together with that type of top end value going out to players. So yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. yeah, he's gonna change our team. Yeah, he is. And so my guy, um, and maybe this this guy hasn't like necessarily blown anybody away, but Jake Lehman. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I'm not talking about Jake Lehman, but I am talking about another bench player. Watch Hernan Gomez. I have been watching him lately, and his confidence is going up and up with every single shot that he takes. He's not afraid to shoot. Like I feel like some guys like a Kogi and yeah, a couple guys off the bench like just are afraid to shoot. They're hesitant. Wancho gets the ball, steps into it. Whether or not he makes it or not, he's always confident and 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 puts up the three. And he's been shooting a lot better lately. And also, he can get to the basket as well. I've liked seeing him go to the basket and making cuts and stuff like that. And then I know this is kind of a cop out answer for me, or for because he's the face of the franchise right now. But just Carl Anthony Towns coming off the year that he's had, or the, the past year that he's had, having COVID, having friend, having family literally die from COVID. And to, to come back and play the way that he's playing in any capacity with all the emotion, like, the, he need he needs some kudos for that as well. I mean, just I couldn't imagine the year that he's had, and to come back and play basketball at the level that he's playing at is absolutely astounding. So, uh, kind of looking more for the uh, at the Timberwolves year overall as well. Uh, obviously, the the big thing was they made a coaching change midway through. Uh, so so let's start with you, Donovan. What have you seen so far? Out of uh, Chris Finch and the team responding to Chris Finch, and uh, and uh, what 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 have you seen out of that, and and what is your overall um, overall assessment of Chris Finch and what he's done so far? I mean, just an obvious upgrade at coach. The biggest thing for me that I've loved to see is when there's a, when the guy's hot in the game, he's not pulling them. He's letting them go and just play their game. You just everybody looks like they're playing more free. You're actually running sets and a game that work. You can make arguments that I mean, obviously the numbers defensively aren't better, but it seems like there's more continuity there. I like that scramble defense that we've been running. 
And I mean, this is clearly the guy Rosas wanted all along. The timing wasn't great, really bad optics, but I think Finch is the guy that's going to take us to the next level, especially offensively. I mean, we're just going to score so many points next season. Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you, what do you think? What do you think of Finch so far? I'm really impressed. I think he's doing a great job. Um, I really liked Saunders. I thought he was a good fit here in Minnesota um, with his dad being the former coach, big-time players coach. But I'm seeing a lot of that from Finch, too. Finch really seems to be a players coach. Um, Under Saunders, I'll be honest, the games felt very unorganized, felt directionless. and it, it's like a total 180 with Finch. I mean, he's he's really doing a great job. I'm I'm pretty happy with with Finch so far, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared, what do you think? What do you what do you think of Finch so far? So I was I was actually looking for a graph that I have in my phone, um, and it was basically the top teams in the entire NBA since post All Star break. And I believe the Timberwolves were number two, and I think the Mavericks were number one. Um, but that just kind of goes like like just shows you like how good we've actually been, you know, post all-star break with a new coach. Um, we're scoring at an unreal rate, which is awesome to see. Um, but, but like I've talked about many times, um, you know, defense is going to be important moving forward, but, but the growth under Finch is real. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that is going to go a long way uh, looking looking into next year. I know, I know Gabe and Chris know that I'm a big uh, Nikola Jokic guy. I could not mention him two podcasts in a row um, without Chris telling me what's up, but um, <laughs> he was the guy that also grew under Finch. Finch kind of discovered, discovered his game. And, and now you're looking at, at the pretty much unanimous MVP of the entire league for the most part. Um, so I, I like to see that um, the offense running through cat. We've talked about play art um, many, many times. Um, the three man play art with, with uh, Edwards, um, D'Lo and Cat, you know, basically you're you're running either like a high screen and roll or a post up, and then you're seeing Edwards, who is the absolute perfect cutter, cut across the middle. Uh, and you're getting a lot of easy buckets. I think a lot of that has to do with Finch um, and and his play art design. Um, so something that I've really loved seeing um, this past few weeks. Uh, Matt, you had some to add. So are you saying Nas Reed is going to be the next Jokic? <laughs> Chris might. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Better. A little a little better because Jokic doesn't quite have Nas's athleticism, so he'll probably top out a little higher than Jokic. <laughs> right. But you know, in the same realm. That hey, would good to hear. That would be the greatest story in NBA history if an undrafted <laughs> guy becomes Nikola Jokic. He'd be like the next John Randall or something like that. I mean, it, it, yeah. you know, if it happens, Chris is going to say, I seen it coming. I called it months ago. Look, this is my That's the thing with podcasts. We have all the audio. Like, we can always go back. It's all back documented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all backed up. Uh, Tim, what do, you, what do you think? What have you seen out of Finch so far? Yeah, so as you guys know, I was the biggest Saunders fan. I mean, he was like <laughs> – all right, let me stop. Um, but, uh, no, Finch or Finch has been – he's been great. Uh, I mean, you guys said it all. Um, the game – the main thing, in my opinion, is the game management just seems to be running so much smoother. Uh, you know, when it's coming down to the wire, it just – it seems – 
it's, it seems like he really has an effective game plan most of the times. And if not, you know, at least we're staying competitive. I know the first few games and gosh, that one guy, he loves to talk about us getting blown out those first couple games, but I mean, Joe Parkhurst. <laughs> yeah. God, it's like, that guy. It, I mean, he just took over a new team. I mean, what did you expect? Um, but no, I mean, if, Chris has been amazing. Uh, I, I've him and just the growth of Edwards underneath him has just been, like I said, I was a doomer for the first sixty percent of the season, but now I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Chris, what have you seen out of Finch? I mean, I remember when he first signed on, and and it was a name that you know I don't remember ever really hearing much about. You know, like Chris Finch, it did, the name didn't ring a bell. Um, but you know, when people start digging, they're throwing out all these stats about how like every team he's been to, they've went from, you know, 20th in offense to seventh or, you know, big jumps always. And, and one jump that, that was, that was documented by somebody was, was cutting, which, you know, with all the advanced analytics now they can test everything, but the amount of cuts run or cuts, just cuts in general, by every single team he'd been to is what, you know, every team went up like 10 or 15 ranking points the next year after he was there. So it just shows like so much movement. And that's, I mean, that just is pretty basketball. Like the whole, you know, AAU, give it to the best guy, let him pretty much ISO from the top, collapse the defense and kick. I don't need to see any more of that. Like that's not, that's ugly ball. I mean, it's effective when you got a guy that's a stud, like a LeBron James or a Julius Randle right now to play that type. Or like when we had Butler, that's what we did. But, I mean, the way that the ball's moving with so many different, you know, passers now, he talked talked D'Lo into the fact that, you know, I want to see you be a play creator. And, and, you know, he's had multiple games over 10 assists. And and he's going to have to be that guy because he's not going to get all the shots he wants because we've got the Anthony Edwards as the hammer. Like, mm-hmm. we we got so many finesse guys. You know, Edwards has to touch the ball to be that hammer to throw everything off. So he's been a breath of fresh air. Um, just professionalism. Like, I think Saunders probably had a decent role. And, and maybe at the time, you know, we needed a guy like Saunders to come in and maybe to – you know, kumbaya everybody and do all that kind of thing. But it's time to win now. Like, this is time that we've got the roster here. It's time to make a, a playoff, you know, plus type of run. And uh, he seems like the coach to do it. And almost more importantly, he seems like an equal with Rosas. Like, Rosas was always – everyone was saying, well, we're going small ball because that's what Rosas wants. Like, we're, we're playing – you know, Culver at the four, because that's what Rosas. We're playing Okogi at the four because Rosas wants this small ball lineup. But the immediate time that Finch comes in, we start seeing Nas and Cat play together. We start seeing Nas, Cat, and Jaden. We start seeing pretty much a complete dismantle of this whole super small ball thing. So I don't know if it was really Ryan Saunders wanting it, or maybe Finch is at the point where he can tell Rosas, like, yeah, you're not the coach, bro. Like, let me coach. So, I mean, it's the best thing for the franchise going forward. And and I'm excited to see what he can put together with an actual offseason. Mm-hmm. Jared, you had something to add? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, go on with what Tim was saying. Um, 
basically like end of the game situations. That was my biggest um, was my biggest thing against Saunders. And one game in particular, like lives rent free in my head when we talk about Saunders, and it was when it was when D'Lo hit that three at the top of the key against Oklahoma City. Um, and the reason why it, it kind of sticks in my head was because I believe there was like 25 seconds left on the game clock, and D'Lo kind of like you know dribbled it up top for like 20 seconds, and then he heaves the three, and it goes in, you know, and. and you know, when, when shots like that fall, you kind of just tip your cap. But I also think it, it's kind of bad basketball. And I know that Paul George got grilled for saying when Damian Lillard dropped that three in him from like three, where what was it, between half court and three, he got grilled for it. They're saying, you know, it was a it was a low percentage shot and it just happened to go in. But I kind of agree with Paul George on that. Like, if you're talking about like something like that late in game, if you get beat that way, you kind of just tip your hat and live with it. And, and I think now that we're under Finch, like when we get in those end of the game situations, there's more play art. There's more movement of the ball. It's not like, let's just throw it into cat with 10 seconds, see if he can make a move and see what happens. Like, I feel like there's more to it than just that under Finch. Um, so I feel, I feel like a lot of people, you know, that, that don't watch games start to finish kind of, kind of miss out on stuff like that. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning, um, with Saunders because I felt that way a lot, um, in end game situations. Mm -hmm. Chris, you had something to add? Yeah. I mean, I know that, man, Jared, you hated Saunders end of game. I mean, you were (laughs) livid about those multiple times and how many times have we seen, wide open layups for like, what was it? Wancho had a wide open layup to win a game. Um, uh, I know Delo had one where Rubio waited, waited till probably four and three quarters seconds to, to inball. I mean, like you said, the play arts there, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what this guy puts together. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, everywhere he's been, he's done something crazy, like offensively. Like when he was coaching in, in the D league with the Rockets, they put in the whole, only three-pointers and layups. And, and that team literally only shot that. Like, they weren't allowed to shoot anything else. They were very strict on that just to see if it worked. And it ended up changing the way the NBA is played. And then when he was in OKC, when he had Boogie and Anthony Davis, he had big – he would run big, big pick-and-rolls, you know, like power forward, center pick-and-rolls, just to mess with stuff. Like, how do you make that work? And he did it. Um then in Jokic, he was there, and he's the first one who started doing the whole, you know, we're going to have this center be our point guard kind of thing. Like, all very different moves, and yet he's the kind of coach that molds what he wants to do around the talent there, which is what everybody wants. But so many coaches bring their ideas and force the roster to fit those ideas. So I'm just excited to see what he what he cooks up. Mm-hmm. I I want to say it when Saunders was here, it didn't feel like like anything was changing. It didn't feel like any real direction uh, for this team. Like the and and I, I love what Finch is doing, and I love that you brought up that play with Wancho where it was like a double screen, and then he that that out of bounds play. Like to, I forget what what game that was, but where where he had Wancho wide open for the dunk like that. Yeah. That was the first time that I saw. Um, that I saw the potential in Chris Finch. So, uh, so the other guy in the Wolves front office, uh, we have Gerson Rosas. Do you guys trust the Rosas process? Like, do, do you like some of the moves that uh, Rosas is doing? And let, let's double up this question. 
what, well, it's called what a pro, it's called a process, by the way. Process. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I apologize for butchering that. <laughs> I won't do it again. Uh, but um, do you guys like so far the process? And also, do you what what moves do you want to see done in the offseason for this team? And we'll we'll start with you, Timothy. What do you think? Yeah, so um, when he came along, I was, you know, give him a chance, uh, but very skeptical. Um, I wasn't as much of a hater on the Col- Culver pick, uh, but, yeah, now it seems like that probably wasn't the best pick. Um, I didn't like some of the trades and acquisitions, but uh, I, you know, it, it's a it's a process for a reason, and uh, – my my whole thing, my whole reason for being, um, you know, disappointed or you know, judgmental was just I, I I need to see results, and I understand stuff takes time. Um, but now we're seeing those results, and I said as soon as we start winning games, as soon as we start look like getting on the right track, I'll be the most positive fan in the world. And you know, it's I I you know. Trust the trust the process process or whatever. <laughs> and Matt, what do you think? What have you seen out of him? And also, what moves do you think we need to make in the off season? I think Timothy nailed it. Um, we got to start seeing some results. Um, he's doing a he's doing a good job. I think he's really swinging for the fences on a lot of his moves. I I'm such a big fan of being able to get rid of Wiggins. That was huge. I I couldn't watch another game of Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota. And even if we end up losing, you know, the fifth or sixth overall pick, I still think it's a win. I think D'Lo is a good player. I do not think Wiggins is. Um, The Culver pick was, you know, a pretty big miss, but you can't hit them all. So, Mm -hmm. Edwards, as long as Edwards is pretty good and can at least be an all-star someday, I think I think I could trust the process. And then uh, on top of that, what what moves, if any, do you want to see us make in the offseason, or or what do you what do you think we need to do in the offseason? I think we need some more front court help. I definitely think we need to address power forward. Every every game I watch, I'm just like. We need a power forward, and I, I really love Vanderbilt and what he can bring, but I, I see him more as a 20-minute you know, per game type of guy, and we need somebody that could come in and be a solid you know, four. Hopefully it can be Mobley, but we'll see how lucky we are on uh, lottery night. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then Donover, what do you think? What have you thought of uh, Rosas and uh, what, what moves do you think we need to make in the offseason? Moves we need to make around the offseason. I mean, it's all going to kind of depend on if we get that pick or not and if we can package <laughs> that pick with a Rubio or a Beasley, which I think a lot have higher trade value of Beasley than what you're hearing around the league. Um, and with the Rosas, I think he's done a really good job. I kind of give him a pass on Culver a little bit. He wasn't here that long. I think he had like maybe a month, month and a half, didn't have his team in here. And he took a calculated risk in trying to trade up. Saw Cleveland had already drafted Sexton the year before. Didn't think they are going to take Garland. You win some, you lose some on that. He's done a really good job around the edges. 
getting the Noels of the world, getting the Nas Reeds of the world. Uh, yeah, uh, other than try to take all those project power forwards last year, the Jordan Bells, the, the Noah Vonleys, but I mean, those were cheap deals. Um, I, it's nice to see this team finally have a, a direction, and I feel like you can at least understand the reasoning behind some of their moves, which is not something you could say of a lot of past Wolves regimes. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, be- before before we get to you, Jared, and you, Chris, I want to welcome all of you uh, as we're recording this. It is officially the off season, so <laughs> welcome to the off season, everyone. Ended on a win. Yes, we did. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, what what moves do you think we need to make this off season? You know, I think it's going to be tricky. Um, the salary cap for next season is one twelve, which we don't even have to worry about. We've blown that out of the water. So the the luxury tax limit they think is going to be about 136 mil is what they're saying. And right now we're pretty much at it. Right now we're at like 136 and we don't even have a full roster for next year. So we're going to have to cut some real money. Like we're going to have to do I mean Rubio's going to have to be gone, Beasley's going to have to be gone or Culver and Okogi are going to have to be gone. And and in those deals, we're going to have to bring back nothing in salary. Like, there's going to have to be some really dramatic things done. Because, um, like, as of right now, we've got, a, we've got 131 booked for next year, already under contract. So 136 is a max. So we've got 5 million to play with. And I think we have two or three roster spots we have to fill just to get to the minimum roster so i mean you get guys on the minimum and you're right at the limit so i mean bring me in bring me in another guy that's like you know like a like a long linky defender like bring me in i don't even care what he can do bring me in a jared vanderbilt again like give me another one of those and let's take a shot at that almost like you're talking about jordan bell and guys like that, I think we're going to have to – he's going to have to target guys on people's benches like he did with Beasley, like he did with Vanderbilt, like he did late in the draft. You know, he's going to have to hit on another one or two of those guys. Um, or he's going to have to package everything we can if we get this pick and go for a Ben Simmons or, you know, go for a – you know, some star like that that can really change the roster. Um, personally, Ben Simmons is the only guy I would go for because his value is almost all in defense, um, you know, playmaking, of course, and and stuff like that. But we don't need much more scoring. Like, I'm not interested in bringing in a 20-point score um, unless he's doing it on, you know, eight or nine shots a game. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is going to be a big year for the process because he's going to have to cut a lot of fat while uh, trying to keep this team still humming in the right direction. Um, we'll see what happens. But I'm definitely, like you said, it's good to have a guy that shows that he has a plan. You know, mm-hmm. like it's been a long time since we've had a GM where you're like, oh, yeah, you're, you have a plan and you're executing your plan. Right or wrong you're at least executing your plan opposed to just kind of willy nilly going as the wind blows. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You're saying our past GMs didn't have a plan. 
<laughs> Didn't seem to. Not too not too strong a one, at least. Yeah. Um, well, no, I can't say that. Tom Thibodeau had a plan. He definitely did. And it was at all costs bring in Jimmy Buck. So I mean, for that case, yes, we have our last two have maybe had a plan. You're saying David Kahn didn't have a plan trading every single draft pick we've ever had for another draft pick and then for another draft pick? I'll tell you, I'll do a podcast on supporting David Kahn someday. We should. We should sometime. That'll be fun. Don't that, tease that, me. That'll be fun. I think that would get a lot of Don't that tease him with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say I'll say this about about uh Rosas before we move on. Rosas put his name on the map alone with the D load trade. Um, and here's why. We got four players that play significant minutes on this team out of that trade. We got Jared Vanderbilt. We got Malik Beasley. We got Juancho Hernan Gomez. And we got D'Angelo Russell. Like, if, if there's anybody in the room that still doesn't think we won that trade, I think you guys are crazy. I don't know. Wiggins had 21 points and no assists tonight. So <laughs> I don't know. No. By comparison, D'Lo, 26-9. and nine, But, I mean... That's one of four. You know, we got four guys out of that trade. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, let's move forward. Actually, before we get to um, kind of next season uh, expectations, uh, I always do like kind of like a random question. Uh, so so why don't we do this? What was your favorite moment from, from before we go to the next season? What was your favorite moment from this season? Like what was the marquee thing that just made you go, wow, or just the, the thing you'll remember most about this season. And, you know, let, let's start with you, Donover. What was your favorite moment from last season? And it can be the same as someone else's as well. It has to be that first Suns game watching Cat and Ant just completely take over and both score 40 points. I mean, I don't think I've ever been more hopeful at that time to, like, just see Ant really blossom like that. And he's just become so efficient down the stretch after – Every ever since Finch came aboard, really, he's just turned it into another gear, and we kind of saw that fifth gear. But yeah, that Suns game for sure for me. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Tim, what what do you think? What was your favorite moment from this past year? Uh, I think I brought it up earlier. The I mean, it was more just that uh, that poster that uh, Edwards did uh, and the three standing over that that right there just that's kind of set the tone with me for my love for Edwards. And then, and then, you know, the, uh, that game that Donovan's talking about that you can't beat that, you know, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, Matt, what do you think? What, what, what would be your pick? I can't remember who the wolves were playing, but that game that Edwards had so many threes down the stretch, it wasn't too long ago here. Um, you talking about his other 40 point game. Yeah. Yeah. I think did we when lose he was that? like five or six from three or something like that? Yeah, I think did we lose the game? I'm pretty sure we lost, but just seeing that, oh man, it was it was just phenomenal to see a Timberwolves player just take the game over and make so many threes and just just take over a game unlike we've seen anybody do in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared, what, what will you remember most, or what was your favorite moment from the season? Oh, well, mine's gonna be kind of a funny answer, but uh, my one of my favorite moments of the year, I think it was I don't remember what time it was early in the season, probably about 10 games into the season. And, and on our Timberwolves page, I, I had 
Um, once the game thread was made, I commented and said, it's Juancho Hernan Gomez night because <laughs> because uh, this is the last time he's going to see much run for the season, which actually was kind of wrong because he's still getting minutes and playing pretty well. Um, but I think he had like 27 points and like eight rebounds, and I just had a huge game. And it was more so it was fun for me because I was like, I told you so. I told you it was coming. But at the same point in time, it was uh, it was just kind of one of those blind luck things where where you comment on something and say that something's going to happen, and then it does, and it's just kind of fun. So that one was kind of fun for me. But it was early in the season, and he dropped like twenty seven. It was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That. He also, I think he had like twenty five against Denver one time too uh, earlier this year. Uh, Chris, what was it for you? What were your what was your favorite moment of the year? My favorite moment of the year was just um, listening to the post-game interviews with Anthony Edwards. Like, just getting to kind of, like, realize that this kid, like, it's not a game with him. It's not a show. Like, he's not this joyful guy. Like, it's not fake. Like, all that's real. Like, this kid is 100% genuine. Um, it's He's just an exciting, fun talent to have in our stable of players like he's going to bring the media he's going to bring fans he's going to bring a new generation of of kids to be excited about the timberwolves and and that's going to be fun but i mean it's the dunk for me the actual in game it's that dunk it's that it's the it's the toronto baseline dunk where he spikes it straight down and falls and like Tim said, like stands over body, everybody like you want to see a dead body. Like that was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. And that was just kind of that, like it was right in the crescendo of when he was moving into like, who is this guy? Is he just a, a chucker? What is he? And passing up that three to take it hard to the rim. You know, and right before that, like the week or two before that was right when he was missing so many layups and he would take it hard, Mm -hmm. but always miss. And I was like, dang, like, I don't want him to be jaded by these, this poor field goal percentage at the rim and stop taking it hard because his, his percentage of shots at the rim has been high the whole year. He's just been missing so many. And I remember saying, and I said it on here, like he needs to start just dunking the ball. Like, these layups aren't working. You're big enough and strong enough. You need to just put these big men on notice that they're going to be posterized, and then they're not going to they're not going to come so tough at you. And after he did that a couple of times, especially that one, I think some of these bigs are, you know, questioning how hard they're going to close out when they see Anthony Edwards coming down the lane. So, uh, I mean, he's just so special, and he's so different from the talent we've had. Like Cat is such a skill-based talent, you know, and D'Lo is a skill-based talent and, you know, Rubio's skill-based and even Kevin Love was like finesse and skill-based, you know, but then Edwards is just a bull in a china shop, just a whole different vibe. And it's a beautiful thing to mesh together. So when I saw him pass up that three and go hard baseline and and bless that soul for that boy to go up to try to block that shot because it made it all that all that better. Ooh, that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite moment, and there's actually going to be three moments. Every time, other than uh, the caveat, other than the t- uh, other than Cat's wrist injury, 
every time we played the Jazz this year because we went 3-0 against the Jazz. Two of them were twice in a row, and we went on that four-game winning streak. And, man, just uh, particularly the, the part of the four-game winning streak, Anthony Edwards just started to come out during those games, and, man, w- was it fun. Uh, Any time we played the Jazz. Also, got to mention uh, tonight, Anthony Edwards – does a pretty good uh, job at boosting his um, rookie of the year status, uh, hopefully, which we, we don't know if he's going to win, but we'll see. 30 points, five of nine from three tonight. So pretty big performance, pretty pretty good final notes in the overture of uh, Anthony Edwards' season, but we'll see what happened there. Uh, so let's go to it. Uh, Oh, oh, Tim, you had some. Yeah, ahead. just yeah, real quick. The uh, rest of the stat line too. I loved. Uh, Jaden had almost twenty points. Uh, Townsend, um, Townsend Russell had a good game, and Nas Reed had another good game. Like tonight was a great way to end the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Vanderbilt. Uh, here, you had some. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Vanderbilt. Oh, had go, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I was just saying Vanderbilt had 12 rebounds. I mean, everybody contributed on a meaningless game after we, you know, got blown out and uh, like Finch probably chewed people out. And, you know, it just shows that we're a different squad. You know, like last, you know, years past, you know, Kevin Love, Kevin Garnett, this time of year, both those guys would always have these knee injuries and sit out the last six or seven games, you know. Um, It's good to see that not happening. And everyone get out through it healthy. I, I noticed that uh, pre, prior to the game, I saw somewhere that Edwards needed to score 38 points in this game to average 20 on the season. He came close, I'll say that. <laughs> he did. He, he gave it his best effort. But, man, also, uh, just one, one more thing about Edwards. Is he starting to be efficient? Like tonight, 10 for 21, yeah. 49%. Five for nine from three, that's over 50%. Like, that was his knock at the beginning of the season that, oh, he's just taking a ton of shots. And, yes, maybe 30% of them will go in. But he was one of those people that wrote his ass for it, too. <laughs> so right, I, I love to eat my words when, when, when he starts coming around. Absolutely. Chris, go ahead. A lot of that comes to D'Lo. You know, like, once D'Lo showed up, Edwards can't just be, you know, the one-ring circus kind of thing. Um, and – I mean, just the way that this season's laid out, like with the injuries have been perfect. You know, Cat gets hurt. So Nas gets to start and develop. Beautiful. That's what we need. D'Lo gets hurt. So we get to see Rubio come in and just so that Edwards and Cat can pretty much run two-man game and Rubio can facilitate facilitate that to let them grow. You know, D'Lo comes back. Beasley goes out, so we don't have too many mouths to feed. We can still work on the three-man with those three without having to feed Beasley. Like, It's almost like it's been just a storybook writing on how to develop this young franchise. Um, But the only way for it to really be capped off is for that lotto to hit, but we'll see. (laughs) Tim, you had something? Yeah, just real quick, too. um, I really think – and we were talking earlier about – Saunders and then uh, Fitch, Fitch, but um, I, I really think accountability has been something that we've that we didn't see much under Saunders, uh, or at least from a fan's perspective. Um, but it it really seems like there's they're being held accountable now, and that's that's great to see. Mm-hmm. No doubt. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, uh, what uh, what Chris was saying earlier about his favorite moment um, uh, of Anthony Edwards' post-game interviews, I think my favorite quote of the year was, he was asked, "Why, why is, why are you guys playing better in the fourth quarter now? Like, what, what's different?" And he said, "Well, I wasn't playing in the fourth quarter before. I, that's that's my favorite quote of the entire year. I, I love mm-hmm. that quote. That just shows like his confidence and just, I mean, he's a 19 year old kid. Like, where was I at 19? I didn't have that confidence. <laughs> wow, absolutely, absolutely not. So, uh, let's get to it. Let's just make our final uh, predictions here." Uh, I, I know it's early. I know we don't know if, obviously, if we're going to have the pick or not. But either way, what are your expectations for the squad next year? And then at the end, give a seating in the West where you think they'll be. And we'll start with you, Matt. What do you think? I think Anthony Edwards is going to improve um, drastically between years one and two. I think McDaniels is going to as well. I think we're going to see Edwards is going to be a better version of Spida Mitchell, and he's going to make a run at MVP-type numbers, averaging about 23, 7, and 6. Um, I think Cat is going to take his game to a whole other level and pick up the defense even more. I think we have the tremendous role players like Vanderbilt and well, Rubio won't be here, but he might be. Russell, Russell and Beasley are tremendous shooters, um, and we're going to have another summer under Finch, and Rosas is going to make a few good moves. I have very, very high expectations for this team. I think the sky is the limit, to be honest. I'm, I'm going to say we're going to be the number two seed in the West. Woo! Wow. Yeah. Yep. Jeez. And, I, and I'm, not gonna make, gonna I'm not joking. going to make my look like nothing real quick here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I expect – I really think Edwards is the real deal. I think he's going to be – this might sound crazy, a little bit like LeBron, where he can facilitate, he can create offense, he's so athletic, he can get his own shot, he has it the personality. Crazy, but – I believe Chris made that exact comparison a few podcasts ago, so it's not that crazy. <laughs> well, I, anytime... I don't know if I did. If I did, I might have been crazy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're all crazy. I can I can see I can see the title card on YouTube now though. Is Edwards the next LeBron? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, clickbait, I Chris, Chris was talking about about uh, how easily he gets to the rim, and it was much like LeBron. Maybe that's what yeah, it was. yeah. But similar. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. All right, so Matt's got him in the two seed in the West. Tim, what do you think? All right, so um, you know it's it's been quite a ride this year. Um, it's going to be really curious to see how we do with a full camp, a uh, full postseason. Uh, and you know any off-season magic that we're able to work out. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know if we don't get the pick. If if we don't have too much of a change, um, I, I I'm going to be a little conservative with my picking here. But I'd say maybe our our ceiling maybe the five seed, our floor maybe the tenth seed. But that's that's just me being you know trying to trying to be 
reasonable. Don't want to let myself down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Donover, what what do you, what do you think? What are your expectations, and where do you think they finish in the West? I think I mean Timothy, you kind of nailed it. I was around the same four or five seed at the their floor. Definitely should be contending for a play in game with especially what we with what we've seen in the second half of the season here. It's all going to come down to the strides Edwards and McDaniels and these younger guys can make. A lot of these older guys, we kind of know what they already are. If Edwards can just really lock in defensively, because you still kind of see those lapses where he's just standing around looking the other way and his guy back cuts and gets an easy layup. I mean, on a winning team, we can't have plays like that. So I, I think it's going to be – it's going to be very interesting to see what they work on with the full off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared, what do you think? So for the past three or four weeks, I've been saying five seed. So I'm going to stick with my, my guns on five seed, but I will say this, um, you know, as crazy as it sounds when, when somebody like Matt will say as high as two, if we get that pick, I think we have growth to be, Maybe not the two seed, but I think we can go up to four or three. Um, I, I think that pick can go a long ways. Whether we pick or not, I think is irrelevant because I think it gives us a bigger trading chip to go big game hunting like I've talked about recently. Um, but the, the sky is the limit for this team. Um, but as it sits right now, uh, I'm putting us at the five seed. I think this team is uber talented. You have three stars in D'Lo Cat and uh, Anthony Edwards, who should all be all-stars next year. Uh, you have some nice depth pieces in Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, and Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, all guys that can play off the bench. We don't know the status of Rubio yet, but he's kind of the leader of the, rock, the locker room, so – you know, maybe we see him come back on a team-friendly deal. Maybe we de- maybe we deal him as part of a trade. That kind of stuff will be interesting to look uh, look at towards the off season. Um, but yeah, this team is has excelled, and and we've been talking about it all all, all since the All Star break. This team is winning games. They look good. They're young, and they're going to score a lot of points. And I hope we can play enough defense to win enough games. That that's my take. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you think? Where do we finish in the West? I mean, man, you guys are really excited. Two, five, four, G. Um, I mean, six, seven, maybe. I mean, I'd be pretty happy with that. You know, the first year really as a winning team, I don't think we can. I'm just, it's just hard to jump, you know, 25 wins in one year. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, but, I mean, looking at – I mean, I don't see Memphis being better than us. San Antonio's not going to be better. The Pelicans aren't going to – you know, the Kings aren't going to be better. So, those are the teams standing between us and the playoffs. Um, the Warriors, what are they going to be when they're healthy? I mean, it comes down to health. Let's – I mean, assume everybody's healthy. Um, God, six maybe? You know, right around, you know, Dallas and Blazers. I mean, but Dallas has shown that they're not – world beaters like they've got a lot of holes on their team um yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna say six seven and just be happy with that i'm gonna i'm gonna say that we're gonna be a team going into the playoffs that top seeded teams aren't gonna want to play though i mean we're gonna have three guys that can go for 40 any night um maybe four with beasley i mean we forget about beasley and right before he got hurt he had like a 15 20 game stretch where 
he was averaging 20, 25 points a game and he had multiple 30 point games in there. Like that dude can fill it up. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say seven, six, seven. And I, and for my answer, I am kind of in the same boat as you, Chris. I'm not necessarily, um, getting to a two, like with Matt and the reason maybe if we were in the Eastern conference, maybe, yes. But it's the Western Conference is so stacked. And also, I was looking at like free agents, and obviously, players can get traded, but I don't anticipate like Denver to trade one of their big guys, um, Utah to trade. I, I, I don't think Lillard's going anywhere or McCollum. Like, I mean, Chris Paul's a free agent, but he's getting old. Kawhi's the big one. Conley, I don't think that moves the needle that much. Kyle Lowry there in the East anyway. DeRozan. I don't think that's a huge deal. So I just think there's so many good teams in the Western Conference that I am kind of in the 7-8 kind of realm where you are at as well. I'm optimistic about our team, but I think kind of what we saw um, uh, kind of in the Boston game. Now, you can take this or leave this, but it does depend if we're hitting shots. Like, that. that's really a big thing and are we going to be able to hit shots night after night after night but yeah like I said I think we're a playoff team next year I don't see like the two seed I I would love to see it happen if uh, Edwards it takes strides and maybe we get the pick but yeah I see like a seven seed but still I mean how much fun is it going to be to contend finally and not have not not have games where we where we're like, like basically the end of this season or the middle of, of this season where we're just losing all the time and not really caring. That's why, for me, the Jimmy Butler season was so fun um, because just we were contending and we, we were in it. Uh, Chris, you got some? And the good thing is, is, you know, let's say we make the playoffs next year. Like, we're, gonna, we're, we're the youngest team in the NBA right now. So we make the, the, the team, the playoffs next year, it's – like we're trending up. Like this is this is going to be the start of what five, six, seven years of making the playoffs in a row, kind of thing. Like unless some tragedy happens, you know. Like it's we're right on this doorstep of you know something really big. So that's what's that's what's fun. Like yeah, two seed. I mean i I don't see a reason why we couldn't be the two seed in the future. Like we have you know three guys that could be all stars you know, or at least near that level of talent currently on the roster. And it's very rare to have two, two all-stars and not be a, you know, significant seed in the, in the playoffs. So, you know, go Warriors. We're going to be like the team that you dream to be. And that's the, uh, the Spurs. We're going to be just like them. We're going to be in the playoffs every year. We got a three headed monster and we're going to be just like the team that you want us to be. Let's do it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up this uh, week's Megasode. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Matt, thanks so much for being here. Tim, thanks so much for being here. Donover, thanks so much for being here. Jared and Chris, as always, thanks for being here. And this has been another episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on Facebook. And follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves.